Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Political Football, the podcast that digs into the global political stories behind the sport. I'm Jason Cowley, editor of The New Statesman. And I'm Stephen Bush, special correspondent of The New Statesman. And in this special episode of our World Cup series, we are discussing England's elimination in the semi-finals and their World Cup campaign as a whole. And today I'm pleased to say we're joined by Patrick Maguire, The New Statesman's political correspondent. You're making your debut on political football, and you're out in House Liverpudlian, aren't you? Uh, well, from Southport, so my ten, uh, my claim to Scousehood is uh, tenuous, but I suppose greater than anyone else in the office. Certainly greater than mine. Great, great to have you here, Patrick. We're going to talk about last night. It's the morning after. I'm not quite sure how I'm feeling. I slept well. And then when I woke up this morning, you would have that moment of realisation something's happened. I felt sort of deeply gloomy. Stephen, what do you think? I woke up this morning and actually I realise I still feel pretty chirpy. Yes, uh, of course, uh, we didn't win, although we do have the opportunity to have our, our best finish at a World Cup since 1966 if we win the third place playoff. I think perhaps the fact that um, I have often so small expectations for England and I tend to either support when England goes out a remaining African team or France, neither of whom have done that well. France have often imploded at the 11th hour means that my expectations for international football are very different. I don't have that feeling of my guts having been kicked out than I often do after an Arsenal elimination. You're in an interesting position because at the start of the tournament when we began this podcast you predicted that the French would win it while they're in the final. Then a couple of weeks ago you switched to Croatia and said the Croatians will win it. I received that with some scepticism, but there, there we are. Croatia have also made the final. Are you going to switch back to France? I don't know. So the, the thing is, when I'm this close, and also because England have, have gone out, there is no African team in the, the tournament. So I guess kind of my affection for France, which is kind of I'm not going to get into uh, this week, means that I I feel sort of quite attached to the, the idea that they might win it. But equally, I just think they, they have never got out of second year. I think Croatia are a hungry team. I do think Croatia might may be able to surprise France. What was interesting, um, listening to some of the um, after-match comment, the brilliant Luka Modric um, said that he believed England had underestimated them. And he had, you know, he was played for Spurs. He's, a, he's an English speaker, reads English. He said he'd been following the coverage in the English press, what the English broadcasters were saying. And that he said the Croatians were deeply irritated that the likes of um, Rio Ferdinand had said that he thinks England would win the game two or three nil, and clearly there's 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 a resilience to this Croatian team. They're very determined. They're very stubborn, Patrick. What do you think? No, I agree, and I think their resilience and their stubbornness was what this very young England team lacked last night. Mm-hmm. I think they lost their heads quite quickly as soon as Croatia equalised. Obviously, Pickford's distribution on the long ball is very very good. 
but it had echoes of at moments last night I was reminded of the statistic in the uh, quarterfinal of Euro 2012 which was the most frequently attempted pass was Joe Hart to Andy Carroll <laughs> and that sort of desperation kicked in again was that during the second half, do you think? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Modric is probably right to pick up on our arrogance. I think at a point in the last week, the... It wasn't the arrogance of Southgate and his team, no. though. It was it was what, what Modric seemed to be saying. It was some of those around the, around the setup who were reporting on it. Yeah, I think so. And I think hope had sort of curdled into a slightly arrogant entitlement to think, you know, high on their own supply of the, the, the easy run there. And if you look at this, some of the copy is very mawkish this morning about, you know, I think Barney Rono said, you know, it's like watching a beautiful painting being ripped up in front of your eyes. There was a sense of inevitability that sort of... Stephen's already always been quite cruelly sceptical of the of the whole journey that this team has been on. I mean, I've, I've greatly admired um, Southgate, the way he's changed the language around the England football team, the humility, the pragmatism, the structure. I thought even, even during the game, they, they held their structure by which I mean the shape, the pass, the attempts to pass. A lot of people have said this morning that they reverted to type in the second half in particular. Simon Cooper, a writer I like a lot in the Financial Times, has written what I thought was quite a sour piece, saying England started to just hoof the ball up. I don't think they did, Stephen, did they? I don't think that is true. Uh, I feel weirdly I, I've gone from being, when I read the coverage in the run-up to the semi-final, where I think Modric was exactly right to say there was arrogance in the English press about a very good very well-starred and, you know, impressive uh, club careers in that Croatia team, as if it could be swatted aside. But actually, I thought the England team on the pitch and Southgate never uh, indulged in that kind of talking. And even in kind of the 93rd minute, needing another goal, they did keep to their system pass with back. pa- pass backwards to have a... And actually, although the final attack didn't come to anything, it was a better attack than just a kind of optimistic, pointless ball through Absolutely. to I, mean, I was watching the game with you and yeah. a few other people from the New Statesman, and I, w- I was shouting, hit it long. Yeah. But they didn't. They were yeah. calm. They tried to build from the back. Also, you, the, the Croatian midfield, Rakitic, Modric, of course, Perisic, who had a brilliant game, scored one of the goals, is extraordinary. These, these, these guys play at the very top of the European game. They're very experienced. Modric is into his 30s, Patrick. So, you know, they gave us the game that we expected. And in the end, we couldn't beat them. And, you, and the England team lacks a Modric, I think. Never has that lack of a playmaker who can carve defences open at will and really cause trouble for a team, however, however well marshaled, was, was evident last night. I mean, you know, I'm sure both of you have very strong opinions on Jack Wilshire. But I think, you know, that's an interesting what if, what if we have brought someone who can unlock a defence at will like that. Unfortunately, Wilshire has gone. I mean, he was a he was a great teenager, late adolescent. You know, he had famous performances for Arsenal against Barcelona when he was the equal of Xavi and Iniesta during during those matches. And then some people used to say that he was potentially England's Pirlo, the, the great Italian playmaker. But I don't think, you know, Wilshire, who's gone to West Ham, won't come again. I mean, he'd be a decent Premiership player, but could it be the the player at Manchester City, Foden, who's seventeen, who was part of the under seventeens, he won the World Championships, he's working under Pep at City. A lot of people think he's a very good potential midfield player. Well, that's the very exciting thing about the the, the next generation. You have you know Rian Brewster, Jordan Sancho, who's making his name at Dortmund, Dortmund, yeah, and Foden. I mean, this is the exciting thing about the and that is when the whole England DNA, St George's Park setup, will see you know in the long term. You know, the, the, the time sports supplement today is talking about the ages of the, the members of the current squad. But actually, the exciting thing is to see what happens when these players for whom it has been a uh, 
the sort of new Lillishaw style generation. It's obviously not Lillishaw anymore, but it's that sort of school of science sort of th- philosophy. We'll see in you know two four years. And Southgate's very much an advocate of that. I mean, there's a, there's a plan that there's there's ambition. There's investment in 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 young players. Stephen, the, the hope is that they will be given a chance to play in the Premier League. I mean, one of the struggles for English players is to get in the team, isn't it? In you know, the Premier League is the ultimate global league. You know, it's played in England, but it's it's the world league in many ways. Well, I mean, so this is where I'm going to get very huffy about one of my sort of repeated uh, hobby horses, which is that. I have never bought the idea that their problem is that there are too many foreign players in the Premier League. I mean, if you think about Euro 2008, the failure to qualify kind of nadir of English football in the last decade or so, that happened weeks before a European final, which had two Premier League sides with 11 English footballers in it. And many of the great England sides of the past have had players who've played abroad. I do think the the, the kind of... the Perfication point in Wilshire's career was given the choice between a loan to AC Milan and in, with the greatest of respect to Bournemouth, a choice of a loan to Bournemouth. He went for Bournemouth. And I think in a slower league, maybe we would have had a Wilshire who yeah, had lived to up, up to some of his promise, who could have sat at the base of that midfield and helped with their ball retention and the game in the centre of the park wouldn't have. Because it's, I don't mean that I think Lingard or Del Alley or anyone played badly. It's just that they do not have the capacities to run a game in the way that we once hoped Wilshire would do. So I think that the problem won't be getting into the England team. I do think there is still a, other than kind of, uh, obviously Southgate has hugely bought into what England are trying to do and is a massive advocate for it. Hodgson, who didn't work out, was a manager who went abroad to cut his teeth. I do think it is a bit of a shame that of some of the promising England managers on the kind of foothills of the Prem, I'm now going to have a name blank about the name of the bloke. Uh, Sean Dyche, still at Burnley. Eddie Howe, still at Bournemouth. I think it's a shame that none of them are trying to have looked for a move to the yeah, Dutch as, League as or something. Yeah, as Bobby Robson went abroad yeah. after, after Euro, after the World Cup in 1990. Steve McLaren, to his credit, went to Holland. To 20, yeah. And then went to Germany, Wolfsburg. He was sacked um, quite, but at least he tried. For a yeah. period, he, he started to speak with a Dutch accent, didn't he? Do you remember that? And McLaren, that was, <laughs> that was a peculiar moment. One thing I watched with interest last night was the performance of Harry Kane, who's a player I like a lot. But... There was something I thought missing from his game last night, whether whether he was exhausted, whether his legs were beginning to go, because I thought his performance against Colombia in the game that went to extra time and then we won the, sh- the penalty shootout was epic, particularly late in the game when he was coming deep into midfield to hold up the ball and play those kind of long Sheringham-style passing. I thought last night, Patrick, something wasn't quite right with Harry. He definitely was. You know, Maybe in a few weeks we'll hear that He's got an undiagnosed, yeah, he's carrying an undiagnosed knot from Colombia. I think he played a uh, an unsung role in in sort of caging Modric in the first half, which obviously you know came to naught uh, eventually. But you know that was a very important thing. And he uh, had that chance, didn't he? He did. That, and it's it, a, had that gone in? It's a game of fine margins. Of course, the, the, in knockout football, it's very fine margins, and we wouldn't be having this conversation had uh, the Colombia uh, Croatian keeper rather not pulled off a. You know, so he, he deflected there. it onto you know, Harry onto, missed the first chance the came back to him from an acute angle he was very calm he brought it back onto his right foot and it looks like the Croatian goalkeeper knocked it onto the post, post yeah. which was an agonising moment had we gone 2-0 up then in the first half it could have been a, a different see, story because England were, were exuberant in the mm. first half we've only got a few minutes left as this is a shorter special podcast today we're doing our final one on Monday 
Stephen, any lasting political impact from England's run to the semi-final and this this mood of um, hopefulness that that the team created, somehow bringing us together in a very polarised and divided England at present, politically? Well, I think, you know, ultimately the government still has, you know, a very contentious economic policy, a series of very contentious Brexit policies, which can't really be reconciled with one another. And that won't change. But I think it is a reminder, at least, of the capacity for a successful project, whether it be in sporting endeavour, political endeavour, to reunite people across England. Of course, obviously not across the whole of the United Kingdom. But So I think it is a reminder that optimism can still win the day. And also, um, in terms of the thing about Harry Kane not being a complete striker, we forget because he looks a thousand years old, right? He look, <laughs> he looks really old. And he's, he's only 23. Four. 24. He is, yeah, he's, he's not what we'd expect the peak of a striker's career to be at yet. And I think the lasting thing, I think, in a, we'll see the lasting impact of, of England's success at 2020 when you would assume that this will be an England side coming into the peak of its powers. In the hope, European Championship. Yeah, hopefully yeah. bolstered by a, a creative midfielder. There's also Ryan Sessegnon at Fulham, who people, young, 17, 18-year-old, um, had Full a brilliant with season. no pasty to... Yeah, but he, could, he, he has the capacity. It looks like a potential Gareth Bale. Mm. Starts at a left back, then advances to play left wing. Who knows where he'll end up playing, but he was getting hat-tricks for Fulham last season um, from left back. Um, and an extraordinary talent. Almost made the squad by, by all accounts. So I'm excited to see him in the Premier League. Very sensibly, he's stayed Staying with Fulham. Fulham. But Patrick, what's the lasting impact, if any? I think he'll make a very convenient journalistic shorthand in the years to come about everything Brexit isn't. You know, the, the summer at which Brexit became, you know, terminally damaged or... Uh, we crossed the Rubicon into, you know, disaster into the disaster zone, you know, unrecoverable. But also think it's a great advert for evidence-based policymaking. What Southgate and the FA have done hasn't been, you know, immediately fashionable, but it's it's reaped rewards and hopefully it will in the years to come. And if- so um, evidence, pragmatism, empiricism, mm. good judgment. Everything that we don't have in our politics at the minute. <laughs> well, Patrick, that was an excellent debut. I hope you'll be back on if Stephen and I continue this um, into the autumn as we as we might. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Political Football. I'm Jason Cowley, editor of the New States. Thanks for listening to Political Football. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, you can send us your questions and comments for future episodes via Twitter. I'm on at Stephen KB and Jason is at Jason Cowley NS. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.